Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And I hope you check out the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, who started no taxation without representation? Did that happen in America? Well, maybe not. Maybe centuries before that uh, that occurred. And then Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several mur- murder mysteries, will be joining us as well. It is uh, July the 3rd, and on this day in 1775, George Washington rode out in front of the American troops gathered at Cambridge Common in Massachusetts and drew his sword, formerly taking command of the Continental Army. He's a prominent Virginia planner and veteran of the French and Indian War and had been appointed a commander-in-chief by the Continental Congress two weeks before. In agreeing to serve the American colonies in their war for independence, he declined to accept payment for his services beyond reimbursement of future expenses. He was born in 1732 at a farm, uh, family farm in Westmoreland County, Virginia, beautiful area, his first direct military experience came as lieutenant colonel in the Virginia military a militia in 1754, and he led a small expedition against the French in the Ohio Valley uh, River Valley on behalf of the governor of Virginia, beginning a fight that resulted in a disastrous defeat for first Washington and then the British general Edward Braddock. Uh, this launched the Seven Years' War, but for, uh, Washington resigned from his military post and returned to planter's life in Virginia, later taking a seat in the Virginia House of Burgesses. During the next two decades, Washington openly opposed escalating British taxation and repression of the American colonies. In 1774, he represented Virginia at the Continental Congress. After the American Re- Revolution re- erupted in 1775, he was nominated by to be commander-in-chief of the newly established Continental Army. Some of the Continental Congress opposed his appointment, thinking other candidates were better equipped for the post, but he was ultimately chosen because, as a Virginian, his leadership helped bind the South colonies more closely to the rebellion in New England. Despite his inexperienced and poorly equipped army of civilian soldiers, General Washington led an effective war of harassment against British forces in America while encouraging the intervention of the French into the conflict on behalf of the colonists. On October the 19th, 1781, when the surrender of British uh, General Charles Lord Cornwallis at Yorktown uh, in Virginia, Washington uh, defeated one of the most powerful nations on earth, that of course being the United Kingdom. <clears throat> After the war, the victorious general retired to his estate at Mount Vernon, but in 1787 he heeded the nation's call and agreed to preside over the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. The drafters created the office of the president with him in mind, and in February 1789, Washington was unanimously elected to become the first president of the United States. As president, Washington sought to unite the nation and protect the interests of the new republic at home and abroad. 
on his presence. He said, I will walk on untrodden ground. There is scarcely any part of my conduct that may not hereafter be drawn and precedent. He said, so right about that. He successfully implemented executive authority, making good use of brilliant politicians such as Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson and his cabinet and quiet, quieted fears of presidential tyranny. In 1792, he was unanimously reelected four years later, but refused a third term. He died in 1799. A great American, George Washington, great wisdom. <clears throat> and, of course, uh, it was unsuccessful in the French and Indian War, but uh, took those experiences and turned them into great success in the American Revolution. Well, congratulations, America. Tuesday, tomorrow, marks the 247th commemoration of the day the Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Second Continental Congress. The Congress actually voted to separate from Great Britain two days earlier, and most didn't sign the document until August, and some argued that U.S. didn't really become a country until we began operating under the Constitution in 1789. <clears throat> Since then, the country has grown from 13 colonies with about 2.5 million people in 50 states and to uh, 50 states and 14 territories with a population of more than 330 million folks. The economy has swelled to over $26 trillion with a median household income of about $70,000. Scientific and technological advances, public sanitation, germ theory of science, and more have revolutionized public health with our citizens living 35 years longer on average since the mid-20th century. Deaths during childbirth have dropped 50-fold, while the child mortality rate, the percentage of children dying before age 5, has plummeted from 45% to 1%. Can you believe that? 45% of the kids died in the first five years of li life. <clears throat> uh, we've built the most, uh, almost 4 million miles of paved roads and more than 5,000 public airports. More than 2.7 million miles of public lines uh, electrify the country with about 85% of households having access to broadband internet <clears throat> and 92 having a, at least one computer. <clears throat> In 1800, 95% of the population lived in rural areas. Now about 83% live in urban areas. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. Almost 90% of the adults have a high school degree or, or equivalent, with just over one-third having a college degree. About 45 million immigrants call America home, the most of any country, while a roughly equal number of international tourists visit every year. And while there always be challenges to face, and we certainly have our share right now, don't we? And improvements to make, we'll come along, we've come a long way since the beginning. So sometimes it's easy to reflect on the problems we have. I think this is an effort to really uh, understand the great achievements we've had in our history. The U.S. economy grew at a much stronger rate in the first quarter of the year, uh, according to a revised figure. Uh, released Thursday, reporting an annualized growth of 2% in the economy, a larger than normal revision from 1.3%. Economists credited robust consumer spending and higher-than-expected exports for the boost. Meanwhile, the stock market ended up uh, one of its better first halves of the year Friday, with the Nasdaq uh, S&P 500 Dow up 31, 15, and 3.8% for the year, respectively. It marks the Nasdaq's best start to the year since 1983, due mostly to growth in tech uh, stocks and surge in AI development. 
Key to the success was Apple, which saw its stock price jump over 2% Friday to close the day with a market capitalization of $3 trillion, a first for a publicly traded company. Unbelievable. <clears throat> In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three on Friday that Biden administration does not have the authority to unilaterally cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt. The ruling was a major rebuke of President Joe Biden's political efforts to court young voters with large college debts and uh, sets a fresh battle ahead for the next presidential election. It also was the latest of several major court rulings that chided the administration for trying to impose regulatory powers that Congress did not grant the executive branch. It's good news. The Biden uh, Education Department has no authorization <clears throat> for the uh, secretary's plan, which examined uh, using the ordinary tools of statutory interpretation, let alone clear congressional authorization for such a program, the majority opinion written by Chief Justice John Roberts declared. <clears throat> the Supreme Court ruled that the White House does not have the authority to wipe out hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt unilaterally and without any congressional involvement. About 14 million people would have had their student debt eliminated entirely if the ruling had gone the opposite way. Uh, Friday's decision saved American taxpayers a staggering expense and forces Congress to address the issue of rising costs inside universities and colleges. Well, I would suggest universities and colleges also have the responsibility to address that issue of rising costs. Uh, college attendance and university attendance is down, and uh, I think in large part because of the, the high cost and all, also, of course, for the indoctrination and propaganda that's being taught in schools these days. Stung by the loss, officials were reportedly looking for workarounds from the ruling. Um, uh, maybe this is face-saving, uh, but I hope they don't find any workarounds on that. It's going to save us half a trillion dollars in, in uh, taxes. The Supreme Court took square aim at the regulatory state this term, striking down perceived executive overreach and free speech, religious freedom, education, and the economy in sending a warning that politically convenient interpretations of statutory authority and constitutional rights will ha face heavy scrutiny. And that's good news. That included the Biden administration unilateral cancellation of $400 billion in student debt and the U.S. Postal Service's refusal to accommodate employees' religious beliefs if it causes any burden, both handed down this week. Colorado and Oregon also suffered major defeats in their quest to compel creative professionals to affirm same-sex marriage under uh, the uh, pub public accommodations law. A, major, a majority of justices Friday said Colorado could not force a Christian web designer to celebrate and promote such ceremonies. In light of that ruling, the court vacated Oregon's fines against the Christian couple for refusing to make a custom same-sex wedding cape, remanding their case to the state court. That's just great. You know, why not just go if... You could, uh, there's certainly, I'm sure, some uh, gay folks who are making cakes. There's no reason why, <laughs> why they're simply uh, trying to be in the face of people who have religious beliefs <clears throat> that don't coincide with uh, celebrating their marriage. A month earlier, the Supreme Court barred the Environmental Protection Agency from regulating wetlands without a continuous surface connection to federally regulated waterways, a huge victory for property owners. 
All this makes great sense. And while President Biden ran on a promise to restore trust in American institutions, he's repeatedly attempted to erode trust in high court for undermining his preferred policies. This is not a normal court, Biden told reporters at the White House on Thursday after it ruled racial preferences in higher education were at odds with equal protection under the Constitution. He later expanded his thoughts that the conservative majority has done more to unravel basic rights and basic decisions than any court in uh, recent history. Well, he's just dead wrong about that, as he is with most, most things. The justices unanimously ruled employers could not infringe on employees' religious rights without showing an accommodation. In this case, a postal worker exempted from work on Sundays to observe the Sabbath could result in a substantial increased cost in relations to conduct a particular business, Justice Alito wrote. First Amendment rights to speech pertaining to religion also got major boosts. So you can see it's been a real reinforcement of the Constitution. And this is so critical. The Supreme Court playing its role in upholding the Constitution and the rule of law. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website and give them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. 
Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you'll check it out. It's HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. Again, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. I, uh, for our listeners' benefit, uh, you're in Tel Aviv right now, and I understand there's some developing news in uh, in Israel. Right. There's actually two stories simultaneously Sort of unconnected, maybe they're a little bit connected, but in any case. So the first one is uh, the Israeli army, starting in the middle of the night, went into the Palestinian city of Jenin, which has been a center of terrorism, and recently, Jenin is in the West Bank, let me first put that, the West Bank is the area between the state of, between Israel and and Jordan, captured by Israel in the 1967 uh, Six-Day War, and to this day, not really uh, any solution to it, and the Janine is within the area of the Palestinian Authority. In any case, in from Janine, rockets were actually attempting to be fired at Israel for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it's a place where most terrorist attacks that have taken place in the last six months all originated. Hmm. So the army has gone in with at least a thousand troops and some air support, and there's been fighting going on since early this morning. The army says it will continue until it's done. It's one of those things that people talk about as, you know, like mowing the lawn. There's no real solution. It doesn't solve anything, but it, for the moment it it brings down the level of terrorism to some extent. And uh, It's like, well, you know, one, again, one of these problems that you don't have any solution and these are some of the acts you have to do in order to keep terrorism at bay as best as possible. Kind of like whack-a-bowl. To very much extent, although you know, I, I consider it more like you know mowing the lawn. You, yeah. you know, you, it gets too high, you take it down, and it comes back up, and there's no, there's no, there's no way of removing the lawn. Let's put it that way. Right. At least not in, not in any humane or legal method. Let's put it that way. Sure. So, um, so that's that's on one level. The other level, which <laughs> is separate, um, is of course the government decided to to go back ahead, go ahead with its uh, judicial changes all by itself without consensus. It decided to start in one area that's a little less egregious but still problematic. They want to eliminate the ability of the courts to um, look at a decision by the government and decide that the act of the government is um, disproportionate or uh, disproportional. In other words, it's, you know, it's something that's... Um, doesn't follow what's proportional and what's allowed. Again, Israel doesn't have a constitution, so it can't rule based on the constitution, but based on the stuff that what it's doing, you know, violates basic norms, let's say. And they want to eliminate the ability of the court to do that. Um, and uh, that's an important tool of balancing. Again, the, the, Israel's main problem when it comes to all these things is it really doesn't have the same separation of powers as the United States does, and therefore the courts are literally the only balancing against a government. 
And um, so, so, Mark, is there any, possi- any possibility that uh, there should push the pause button and develop a constitution? It's very hard. There's talk about that, but it's it's very hard because the basic problems that existed way back when Ben Gurion was supposed to start a constitutional con- had a constitutional convention in 1949, but he didn't go ahead with it because there's these insolvable problems of, of state and religion. Because mm-hmm. once you start getting involved in religion, it gets very problematic, and separating out religion from the state is what most people want, but the religious obviously don't. So, and the coalitions are dependent on them, so it gets it's complicated. Now, I should bring in mind that it's 5:30 this afternoon Israel time. It's now 2:15. Um, there's supposed to be a major demonstration at the airport. The attempt being basically almost to bring the airport uh, to a halt. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, so that's happening simultaneously, and the people leading it more than anything else are Israeli veterans. So you have this strange, or and not only veterans, but um, soldiers who do, from, who do reserve duty. In other words, most Israelis who are veterans up to the age of 40 do reserve duty, and so they're the ones who are leading this more than anything else. So, And what is it? They're, they're protesting against these, this change in government? Is that Government, right. The change they're trying to bring about uh, you know, without a consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to bring that to a halt. People are afraid that, it's, you know, it's to some extent what was happened in Poland and, and in Hungary. It's the way you move from a, uh, in, from a liberal democracy, liberal not in the sense of liberal is conservative, but liberal in terms of checks and balances, to a strongman democracy, which is really basically where Poland and, and uh, Hungary have these days with no, no checks and balances whatsoever. Uh, so in both cases, the first thing they did was attack the judiciary yeah. and limit the powers of the judiciary. One, one thing so, we ha- haven't heard uh, about recently is the uh, uh, Iranian uh, possibility of developing nu- nuclear arms. I wonder if that's in the news at all and how uh, Israel might be dealing with that issue. Look, it's in, the, it's in the news. There's talk about some sort of possibility of a deal with the United States to temporarily hold, to stop it. Look, Israel attacks almost daily Iranian positions in Syria and other places. And there's a whole war that's sort of going on that's basically called, in, in the Israeli army, they call it the war between the wars. Um, and it's literally been going on quietly with the Iranian and Iranian forces and in terms of Syria, a little bit in Lebanon, and all this is going on on a regular basis. There was a case this past week, it didn't make international news, but of course it made big news in Israel, where there was an attempt to attack Israelis who were visiting Cyprus. And um, it was thwarted by the Israeli security forces and the the Cypriot uh, police, but the person responsible for it ran back to Iran, and the Israeli security services got to get went into Iran and interviewed and interrogated the person responsible inside of Iran hmm. uh, to get proof. So there's a lot going on. We don't see it all, um, but it's constant. Usually so, about this stage of development, there's some sort of a worm or <laughs> some sort of a, a cyber attack to, uh, to uh, deal with or set back the whole process of developing a nuclear arm. Well, there have been various setbacks, and we just don't know, again, whatever is going to happen, if it's happening Neither side really wants to uh, announce it. The Iranians, because they'd be embarrassed, and the Israelis, because they don't want to take official credit for it. Yeah, interesting. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They prepare elected officials to create winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thank you, Mark. So much going on right now in France, conflicting stories. As I was hoping you could uh, cl- kind of clarify and let us know what's going on. Oh, boy, because conflicting stories is really difficult, especially when you're not on the ground. But look... What happened in France is like is a, France has been for the longest time uh, this you know um, cooking you know hot cooking stove ready to explode at any given moment and that's what really happened I mean the killing of the there was a young man who was killed by police uh, it does not look justifiable but the police officer involved has been charged with manslaughter so it's not like they're ignoring it. Mm-hmm. But what it's brought out is there is a huge population of of uh, F- um, Algerians and other North Africans who basically moved two generations ago when Algeria was part of France and therefore they had French citizenship. And so the parents, and these are the children or the grandchildren at this point, uh, have grown up in, in the Paris suburbs, etc. Um, but with Inferior education, let's put it that way. And mm-hmm. whether it's their fault or the government's fault, I don't, I don't, I don't know and understand the situation well enough to tell you. But all I can tell you is there's a tremendous amount of resentment at the government, at in all levels, at the expense of um, 
sense of discrimination that exists. I mean, listen, uh, the French are an interesting group of people. They don't like us either often. You know, you always feel when you're visiting France that they look down, they look down upon us white Americans. Uh, what do you think they look down upon in some of the Algerians or others that are in the country? And I can imagine it, it's not a pleasant feeling. It's so interesting, Mark. Uh, just uh, one of the things you've done is perhaps dispel the the idea that this is recent immigration that's created these problems. No, it's definitely not recent immigration. This is this is immigration that goes all the way back to the '60s and before. Huh. And these are people who have French citizenship. Remember, Algeria was part of France. It wasn't even a colony. Algeria was considered France. Hmm. And you lived in Algeria. You were French citizens. And of course, you had the French who had moved to Algeria who all came back when Algeria was given independence, but a lot of people from Algeria also came to France because, hey, listen, the same reason that people always move to, you know, move to, to Western countries. And so you have these huge groups of people that are not new immigrants. This is not a new immigrant problem. This is an old immigrant problem. And it's an immigrant problem that is, it's a very large set of immigrants that have never been fully integrated into French society. Huh. Um, so, you know, let's you know, it's it's separated out. It's, it's not an immigration problem. I mean, it is in that sense. You know, we're talking yeah. generations ago, but we're not talking about the, all these all these new immigrants that are caught. No, these are these are by by and large children and grandchildren of the original people who who moved to France. But it does it does uh, speak to the whole notion of uh, the problems of integrating. Uh, for example, in the United States, we did a great job of integrating people into our society, and they began. At first, they developed their own. Uh, 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 neighborhoods, but then uh, they expanded and became a part of the American culture. Uh, this doesn't look like this is happening in France. No, not as much. Remember something else about America. But <clears throat> unique about America is that we are and have always been a country of immigrants. Uh-huh. The basic of it, yeah, right? The, for, who is the leaving, leaving aside the Native Americans? They have a right to to be the Native Americans have a right to be against all immigrants. Right. You know, I mean. <laughs> We all came and invaded them in one form or another at some point over the last couple hundred years. But put them aside. Everybody else is an immigrant from somewhere. Right. And so, yes, each, each wave of immigration looks down upon the wave that comes after them. That's the truth of all of American history going back to, to the earliest part of the uh, 19th century uh, quite clearly. You know, whether it was the Germans who came and the Swedes that came and, of course, the Irish and... And then the Italians and the Jews and you name it, they they were all looked down upon by the waves that had come before. But but still, it's in the DNA of the United States to accept immigrants to understand that that's what makes America special. Right. And the fact that immigrants want to come to America is also what says something about America. France is not an immigrant society. It wasn't built that way. It was built. It was a Catholic white country, um, and. Um, the fact that it ended up with immigration was sort of almost an accident. Uh-huh. And, um, and no one's really planned for it. No one's really understood it in that sense. Well, before, so, before, before we move to, to another topic, I do want to, uh, the, whole, the whole notion of closing down the Internet in France, it, it makes me, is there this some sort of an orchestrated movement uh, or is this uh, uh, kind of a spontaneous chaos that's going on? I would think it's organized in the sense of trying to cut down uh, communications between various groups. And I mean, it looked the riots that have been going on in France make anything that happened in the United States in the last five years, whether it was 
Black Lives Matters on one hand or the January 6th on the other hand look like, you know, children's activities. Yeah. I mean, you literally have, you know, buildings being burnt down in large numbers and uh, it's very, very serious. Um, so, um, actions are being taken. Right? It's very clear. It's, it's Look, obviously it's disproportionate to what happened. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a terrible tragedy as one kid was killed and it's terrible, but, you know, that happens in various ways and the police took action, arrested their their own and are charging them with, uh, with certainly minimally manslaughter if not, if not more than that. So, But this is, you know, this is uh, built up anger over a generation that that we're seeing right now. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, let's Before I let you go, I'd like to uh, just get a clarification or understanding of any new developments in Russia and Ukraine. So there's two sides of it. Russia, Putin is trying desperately to show that he's in power, that he controls everything to knock down any sort of uh, dissent that still exists. In Ukraine, we're just seeing continued incremental um, advances against the Russians. No big breakthroughs, but slow but steady progress um, on all the fronts. I mean, I remind everybody that it took, um, like I think it was 90 days for the American troops to fight their way um, out of the area of Normandy after during World War II. Right. And the United States had overwhelming air advantage, right, during, in, during that period of time. And an overwhelming logistics advantage over the Germans. But fighting, fighting's hard. Yeah, and the fog of war. The fog yep. of war, for sure. Yep. Mark, fi- finally, before I let you go, uh, this, of course, we have the July 4th tomorrow. It's the uh, uh, 247th anniversary of our uh, the Declaration of Independence. Not necessarily signed, but the day that it was uh, introduced. Uh, any thoughts uh, for us as an historian and a uh, person who's... Absolutely. So, look, you know, every, we forget <clears throat> how brave those people were, right? Yes. Everybody who signed the Declaration of Independence like two, you know, a couple of days later basically put a price on their head. Right. A small band of people far away was taking on the largest and uh, most powerful country in the world and all for the idea of freedom and independence. And they were putting it all on the line. It was not at all clear that the end result was going to be an American victory, although I would say uh, in retrospect, it was more clear. it's more clear in retrospect than people want to think because the British were fighting far from far from their homes, and the Americans are fighting over their homes. But the reality is um, it took a lot of courage, yeah. and it took a lot of courage to fight for a basic idea of freedom and independence. And the American Revolution uh, that followed, or was part of it, uh, gave way to revolutions all over South America and eventually all over the world where people came to the conclusion they do not want to be ruled by another people. And um, we have to, you know, remember how great these people were, because they really were. They were giants on Earth, and uh, we need a few of them now. You know, can we bring some of them back? It would be very useful. Absolutely. I uh, also reflect on the fact that, uh, you know, for the, for the revolutionaries, for those who are fighting for, for freedom, uh, not every uh, American, not every person, a colonial uh, a citizen was necessarily on their side. There were turncoats. There were people that were really pulling for the British or wouldn't state so. So it was a difficult, difficult circumstances. And of course... Oh, the- absolutely. I mean, not everyone <laughs> wanted independence. Some people were very happy to be subjects of the of the Ritz. <clears throat> and it was comfortable for some people. And so, you know, you had to have an idea of what the value of freedom is in order to be willing to take those risks. Um, but there were enough of them, obviously, and it was a 
tremendous point in America, not only in American history, it's a tremendous point in world history. Right. It changed the direction of the world. Those patriots who created the Declaration of Independence and then signed it uh, changed the Declaration of changed the direction of the world, and we need to continue to honor them. It's Absolutely, the and, barbecues. and the other thing I'd like to underscore too, and I think you'd agree, is that the uh, Constitut, uh, the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence, led to the Constitution, which was probably one of the only documents ever created to, that people agreed to uh, the rule of the land uh, by law, as opposed to chaos and revolution. Absolutely. Yeah, Mark, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. You have, I hope you have a great Fourth uh, of July, and thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right, coming up, <clears throat> we're going to uh, visit with uh, Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Our focus is on high school and college-age students. We educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, 
free markets, small government, entrepreneurship, and personal character. We do that not only through the in-person events that we hold around the country on campuses and in schools, and sometimes even abroad, but also through our very robust website, fee.org, where you can see daily fresh commentary and uh, material that has been archived as far back as 70 years. Terrific organization, having great and uh, very positive impact on high school and college-age kids. And if you have somebody at that age in your life, grandparent, grandchild, whatever it might be, introduce them to this terrific organization, fee.org, F-E-E.org. So, Larry, you wrote a piece, The Surprising Origins of the No Taxation Without Representation slogan. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Uh, most Americans have heard that phrase, no taxation without representation, and they believe it to be something that originated in the run-up to the American Revolution in the 1770s. Mm -hmm. uh, Britain was imposing taxes on the colonies, but the colonies uh, didn't have representatives in Parliament back in London, and they thought that was, uh, that was wrong. But, uh, but actually, the phrase and the sentiment behind the phrase originated more than a century before in Britain itself, and it involved a tax that was known as the ship tax, mm -hmm. SHIP, because uh, it was levied by kings and queens of Britain uh, on coastal settlements to raise money for uh, ships and other uh, material that uh, the Navy needed to defend the country. And uh, it ac actually was in violation of uh, the Magna Carta provision of 1215 that required taxes to be secured uh, through Parliament. But this was a royal prerogative that had gone pretty much unchallenged for 400 years. Uh, but it was in the 1600s that uh, first King James I and then uh, his successor Charles I began expanding the ship tax uh, and ultimately, it was Charles who really made a big, uh, or made it into a big fuss, when he shut down Parliament altogether in 1628, and then imposed the ship tax not just on coastal settlements, but all counties uh, in England. It was a tax then on everybody; nobody could do anything about it. And with Parliament shut down, uh, there wasn't even a pretense of parliamentary approval. Mm. So interesting, but not everybody uh, decided to pay the tax. That's right. There was fierce opposition to it, and one man named John Hampton, who was a landowner and member of parliament from Buckinghamshire, uh, he didn't object technically to the tax itself. What he objected to primarily was the fact that it was imposed by fiat and without parliamentary approval. So he paid a small portion of the tax but refused to pay the balance, and, of course, the king went after him. Uh, it ended up uh, before um, the Court of Exchequer, as it was called. And uh, the court ruled against Hampton, but the, the vote was as close as it could get. So Charles, the king, was quite embarrassed that his victory was so narrow. And when the English Civil War began uh, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, this was a big issue, the whole business of taxation without representation. And John Hampton, because of his opposition, was one of the first people that the king uh, unsuccessfully, in this case, attempted to arrest. So interesting. And uh, as I understand it, he's got a university named after him here in the United States. 
Yes, Hampton Sydney College in Virginia, a surprising number of things, including some uh, statues of him, uh, exist both in the United States and in Great Britain. He was regarded in his day and for a long time thereafter as um, a sort of martyr for the cause. He was killed in battle, by the way, uh, because uh, the cause of taxation only through representation uh, became such a resounding and important uh, battle cry uh, in the march of English liberty and also American liberty. I would suggest that uh, this is kind of emblematic of uh, uh, the executive overreach that has existed since time immemorial, where uh, people, leaders, kings, uh, who, uh, who simply overreached uh, and uh, against the people's will, and we're so fortunate to have a constitution, the Declaration of Independence here in the United States. Absolutely. Uh, this was overreach, and it was uh, the overreach of monarchs and the experience of, uh, of England for hundreds of years that very much informed the American founding fathers. Yeah. Uh, they realized, gee, you know, you, you give a guy some power, he's always going to want more of it, and so we better write up a constitution that has some checks and balances and separation of powers and other remedies uh, by which we rein in these uh, out-of-control monarchs. Yeah. As an historian, I was wondering if you'd reflect uh, just to the importance of uh, the uh, July 4th, the uh, de Declaration of Independence, and uh, what's happened here in America. I think uh, July the 4th is incredibly important, not only for American <laughs> history, but for the history of the world. <clears throat> it was the first time uh, when a new nation proclaimed itself and dethroned government and put uh, uh, God in its place. In, in, in this sense, the founders appealed to the principles of human liberty that they felt were God-gifted and said that they must take precedence over the whims and, and mandates of uh, an earthly prince or king, and um, that our rights did not come from government, but rather came from our Creator, and that it was the job of the government uh, to enforce and protect them, and the job of the citizens to get rid of the government if it if it didn't do that. So interesting, and uh, I, yeah, in juxtaposition on uh, July the 14th is Bastille Day, and there was the French Revolution, uh, in some ways similar, but in most ways so uh, different from what happened here in the United States. Absolutely. Uh, at, at first, the French Revolution started out... Uh, in admiration of what Americans a few years before had accomplished, but mm -hmm. uh, it rather quickly got out of control, and the result was the rise of tyrants who were every bit as uh, bloody uh, and uh, dictatorial as the king they overthrew. Amazing. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. The website is fee.org, F-E-E.org. I hope you check it out. It's a terrific organization, F-E-E.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He retired a couple of years ago, and uh, now he's uh, writing murder mysteries, and they are terrific. His latest is no problem. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that uh, Blue Provence commercial reminds me that Blue Provence also has one of the top 100 wine cellars in the world, according to Wine uh, Spectators. So I hope you'll check out not only great food at Blue Provence, but also the wine cellar as well. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He retired, and now he's writing murder mysteries, and they are terrific. Uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, in his latest, is no problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, thank you, Bob. You know, I'm sitting here wondering uh, if I'll be pushed out of uh, novel writing by some artificial intelligence that's uh, like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, rechanneled. The uh, I am so puzzled by AI, hmm. um, and yet it's driving the latest bull market. I mean, the market's going crazy over AI, and I wonder if uh, other people have a better grasp of it than I do. I would doubt it. Like, for example, <clears throat> will AI be some overriding uh, program like like a, a godlike wizard of odds or will it be a sliced and diced individual product befitting specific industries and uh, so let's say it's sliced and dice for specific industries and you're an employer say you own a chain of pizza restaurants so you're hardly a, a tech guru so uh, what do you do you go out you want to have AI help improve the productivity of your pizza operation. So you go out and hire some AI guy, you know, because you, you can't afford to go back to college and become a PhD AI scientist. Right. And the, and the AI guy 
you have to hope that he's not an evil genius because he could end up taking over your entire company. So, which which has which has and, and this is where this is how the human mind operates. Uh, I've been revisiting my college textbooks from uh, 1967, and I'm looking at a, a survey of American literature that was published in 1963, and has a beautiful essay in it. Uh, by Perry Ellis, late late Harvard professor, on Jonathan Edwards, the, the Puritan preacher of Firebrand, and Benjamin Franklin, who were both brought up in what we call the Protestant ethic. Yeah. And when I and the Protestant ethic, when you boil it down, I'm oversimplifying, and some of your uh, uh, more learned uh, listeners can can correct me. But essentially it is, um, you know, there's nothing demeaning about work and being attached to the world through your enterprise if the enterprise is for the greater glory of God and for the benefit and improvement of your fellow men. Uh, Any profit that may accrue to you should be secondary, uh, not the object of your enterprise, right? And I'm think, and <clears throat> so, so Benjamin Franklin is probably the the greatest example we have of somebody. He was a product of Massachusetts and the Puritan colony, and in his work, he became a very wealthy man. But he never he he never exploited his discoveries. I mean, most famously, he invented the lightning rod. Which uh, and you have you have to put on your uh, history hat and remember that lightning was a major cause of fires. Absolutely, in, in, yeah. In, I mean, he, he, he gave it away. I have yeah, you read he, uh, his his autobiography, which I think is a great work of art. I mean, he was leaving a legacy for younger people. And talk about the Protestant ethic. He had rules to live by. Very practical type of. Uh, uh, treaty uh for that he wrote but it was you know he he really did exude the whole notion of uh the protestant ethic yeah so i'm thinking you know essentially ai needs to be educated like our children need to be educated and education is not only the uh, accumulation of knowledge it's teaching people how to use their brains properly yeah how do we think and if you have an uh, a framework built on the Protestant ethic for AI, where it's for the greater glory of God and the improvement of mankind, and not any selfish motive. Um, you you really diffuse a lot that could go wrong with artificial intelligence. Yeah, well, you've just identified maybe twenty or thirty percent of the population. The rest. <laughs> <laughs> are not so well intended. And, and my concern is uh, those people that might want to use it for, I mean, it's like dynamite. It can be used for good or for evil. There's no question about that. Uh, but it can be used, for example, of if you have political motivations to use AI to somehow use it as prop- for propaganda and training and uh, uh, so forth. Uh, it can be used for a lot of different purposes. And uh, AI is so powerful that um, I mean, I, I'm not sure that I understand it, but I, as I understand it, as I understand it, it, it uh, literally 
it could put people out of work. It could do a lot of different things right now, and uh, it could be used for good or for evil. Yeah, I mean, I was an English major. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I try to uh, puzzle out what AI will mean, I run to reruns of the Jetsons. You know, that's the... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I can think of a, you know, a million different scenarios, and I see a lot of positive scenarios for AI. Uh, but on, my, on a personal level, I haven't even learned all the shortcuts for my PC yet. Yeah. <laughs> so... so 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 when AI and, and then it's like, uh, gee, do I want to go uh, to Best Buy and buy a replacement uh, for my laptop, or do I want to wait because uh, my laptop is going to be the equivalent of a slide rule in a few years, yeah. based on the project Wall Street's projections on AI? Which, by the way, I think is crazy. I, I do believe we're in an industrial revolution, but to go out now and buy stocks on this dream without underlying fundamentals is it's just sheer craziness and uh my son who who is in computers you know i was discussing this with him and he said well well you know dad uh this this ai needs enormous amounts of electricity and energy so if yes. you want to be safe and cautious just invest in the local power company yeah it's, uh Good admonition on his part. By the way, the market has levitated. The first half, I was surprised when I looked at the results. I could have sworn that uh, the market had uh, done poorly in the first six months of the year. That's not the case at all. No, except that you know, if you go back to January, uh, the market was up about to forty-seven hundred, you know, forty-seven fifty something. So we're still climbing out of that hole. We're still yeah. in the crater. So, so if the if the market breaks even this year, I will be ecstatic. Personally, I'm not pouring new funds into the market because uh, bonds look so attractive at this point. Um, you know, even accounting for taxes, you don't have to take a lot of risk to get a decent return right now. So that, you know, that could affect the market going forward as liquidity dries up and more, maybe more money goes into the bond market. Yeah. Again, Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Well, thanks for bringing up Jonathan Edwards and the sinners in the hands of an angry guy. <laughs> nice, visit, nice visit with the, my history experience. So thank you so much for joining us, Jim. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And again, the, the name of the latest book is No Problem. Check it out. It's He's really a very talented writer, and the murder mysteries are just terrific. I hope you will uh, join us tomorrow. We're going to have the show tomorrow, and uh, we're looking forward to our guest, uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, the president of the Florida State Senate. Boo Mortensen will be joining us. And Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll pass the word on to your friends. That's one of the ways that we reward our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.